0: What's up, Jim? How's it going, buddy? Good, you? I'm hanging in here just stepping into the shop for the first time today, so it's nice to kick it off this way. Nice. Um, Yeah, we're a little late this week and a little late today. Typically, we're like Monday at 10.30 my time, so 7.30 your time. We're recording Wednesday. September 6th at noon my time, so 9 a.m. your time, but better late than never, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, especially if we're not really doing any editing or anything on it, so it's easy. After this, just export it and upload it, and you know, hopefully, uh, life is good. But listening. Yeah. So, but yeah, thank week- you.
0: Uh, you mentioned yeah. mentioned a metric with me, um, just to touch base with the people. We appreciate you guys that are listening. Apparently, we have had 500 unique downloads, which is a pretty cool metric through five episodes with no advertising and. Very little marketing and just uh, kind of some organic sharing. Um, and so that's exciting. You know, that was when you shared that with me. I, I was very happy to hear that. So,
1: yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I got a, a message from uh, Spotify <clears throat> saying that we just had, uh, we hit 500 lessons. So, it, oh, I mean, it's, yeah. So it's 500
0: cool. just on Spotify. So, I mean, that doesn't in- include YouTube or Apple Podcasts or any of the other places.
1: Yeah, I think the Spotify one covers Apple Podcasts, Google all that because it's all the RSS feed is all shared through um, Spotify, but it doesn't include any of the YouTube stuff. Cool.
0: Which is cool. So either way, it's cool. It's exciting. Sweet, man. Well, it's Wednesday. We are, um, you're departing on Saturday, the 16th. I think I'm leaving Friday, the 15th for maker syndicate show in Indianapolis. So we are officially counting down our last 10 days, uh, to pull together our projects to bring with us to the show. Um, how are you making out this week?
1: Uh, I'm making progress. I'm obviously stressed, but not so much on uh, finishing all the machining, but making sure I have enough time to do all the fitting and whatever <clears throat> whatever weird stuff might pop up You know, once everything actually snaps together. So I uh, made a lot of progress this week. Uh, this weekend, I did a bunch of slides, so I worked on that for a couple of days, uh, delivered all those yesterday, and have just been running lock frames so i finished all of the slab frames inside and out on 15 of these um and i haven't posted anywhere or mentioned that these might be kind of far to
0: reach um
1: i'm also doing um some frames out of ultim which i don't know for sure if it's gonna actually work um i mean they're they're good but they flex you know so we'll see how it goes Uh, but i made three of those so I'm still just trying to bang through the rest of the lock frames. I've got two more tie and then the three ultim ones and then all the frame stuff's done. Uh, so I I proved out all of the internal geometry on the lock frame with the inset lock bar. So I got this all snapped in. The, that dovetail that we talked about last week actually worked out really well. Um, even, without the, even without the pivot through the back hole, um, the lock bar is in there solid. So stoked on that. Just a trying to plug, you know, just keep, keep making progress. So.
0: I mean, I think that it makes sense that you would start with the lock side because the show side is just what it is, the show side. So as long as it exists, you don't have too much to worry about. Um, Uh I think with regard to the Ultim, as long as it's flat, your blades are flat and your backspacers are sized correctly, flex really doesn't matter, you know, because it's going to be supported at two ends and, it's not like you're going to be gripping it in the center and like pinching it. I mean, yeah, the only the thing you'd length. maybe be concerned about is the you know lock bar nested in there. But uh, I mean, even if you just did an Ultim show side with a titanium lock side, I think that they would still be very cool.
1: Yeah, we'll see how it works out. I think some mix, mix and match stuff is going to be pretty cool, too. I think with the dovetail and then with that um, the pivot running through the whole assembly in the back and then... Having essentially like, you know, kind of a quote unquote full length backspacer. There's no way to really squeeze it. Um, so everything is really completely sandwiched all the way. I, de- I got to get a better camera for sure, but um, this is coming out really cool. I'm stoked on it. So I posted some pictures of some stuff in my stories, um, a little bit on Facebook and the Facebook group. So I'll try and post some more stuff today. I'm going to probably have all of these frames done. Once we jump off this, I'm going to have all the lock stuff, internal stuff done, in probably about another five hours it's a nice. long cycle time. It's like five hour. It's like an hour and seven minutes for the internal side of the lock frame. So there's a lot of little details, a little dovetail, and a lot of little roughing with a eighth inch and sixteen. So
0: I mean, you got to take it's... the time to do it. At the end yeah. of the day, whether the cycle time is an hour and seven or fifty minutes, whatever, it's negligible compared to just leave, Overall, getting yeah. the assemblies done in general. But like I did see you posted. Um, it was one of your questions and somebody asked you something about getting a second machine. And you had said you wish that you would have just gotten a speedio from the start, because (laughs) if you had all of these would be done by now. Um, Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, doing apps and stuff at Yamazen, whenever we would do any uh, time studies on stuff, people were typically coming from houses, basically saying, Hey, this thing's too slow. We need to make parts faster. Um, What can we do? So we would have them send over their program. I would strip out any Haas-specific codes, um, like G187 and things like that. But overall, most of the code was the same. And then we would just run it on one of the machines in the showroom. And almost on average, it was about 35 to 40% faster, with no other changes to the program as far as speeds, feeds, anything. Oh, you would just just, run it dry,
0: like just run it dry cycle, cutting nothing just to see how long it took with tool changes and stuff like that?
1: Yep. But, yeah, with tool changes, I mean, we'd kind of simulate, all right, this thing's going to come, you know, spindles coming down close to the vice. We'd put in some just rough offsets and stuff, but not actually cutting anything, but, yeah, running the whole program all the way through and then just showing them the cycle time. And most of the time, they wouldn't believe us. So, uh, all right, well, here's a video. Yeah, you sped that video up.
0: Sorry, dude. That's, nope. Watch the timestamp. There's no speeding up here.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, these would probably be... 35, 40% easily faster, um, probably more than that. I would say maybe at least 50% because I've got to run the machine. Like I was saying uh, last week at like 25% rapid because it was shutting off. Um, trying to, I, I think I just need to modify my post a little bit to where it turns the spindle on uh, and then maybe like a two second dwell to let it get up to RPM and then move the XYZ. Because when it's trying to do XYZ and spindle, high RPM stuff at a high rapid, that's when I get the low voltage alarms and then it shuts off.
0: Gotcha.
1: So I need to just mess with the post a little bit and fix that. And then I can just run this thing at hundred percent rapid, which is still already pretty slow, <laughs> but
0: yeah. yeah, better than running. I it honestly, at I very rarely run it at a hundred percent rapid. I probably could start, but um, actually a lot of the time, like case in point two days ago, when I crashed the BF2, being at 50% rapid probably saved me in some capacity. You know what I mean? That's what I'm always thinking about is, is like one, what kind of additional wear and tear are you putting on the ball screws when you're using hundred percent rapid at all times? And two, if you have a catastrophic crash and it runs its spindle into something at twice the feed rate or twice the speed, like is it really worth like the time savings for the cycle? You know? Nothing that I do is so pressing that like I can't afford a fifty percent rapid, I don't think, but I also have not really run side-by-side comparisons of cycle time for time study to see how much I would save with a hundred percent versus 50% rapid. But I got to imagine that even on a one hour cycle, it can't be more than a few minutes, you know, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. It's,
1: I've done a few on here just to run at a hundred percent and then at 50% and like a 10 minute cycle, it, it would end up being like close to 30 seconds. So, okay. so yeah, I mean, you're like an hour, two minutes over an hour,
0: three minutes over an hour. But that yeah, depends on how I many mean,
1: tool changes and how much table space you're using and all that other stuff. So a
0: lot, of, a lot of factors, but
1: it's, I think between 50 and hundred is pretty negligible, but running shit at 25%
0: sucks. It's definitely, definitely slow, sucks. especially
1: since this thing's already slow in general. Um, you crashed in a rapid.
0: Uh, yeah, it was um, lifting. Uh, it was switching between sequences. So I had an eighth inch bull nose. That was finishing the pocket walls of the internal off one of the transient frames. And I added, you know, that I had been running that for that same program for a while. I added an additional sequence with that tool. And in Creo, I have all of my parameters for different cutting sequences, like saved per tool. Because I mean, obviously, like whatever. Fusion calls it, but, you know, there's probably five main sequences, like a Z, like a, a bottom cutting, like Z-level roughing, profiling, Z-level profiling, 2D contour, a 2D adaptive, and then, like, um, I don't know, call it five sequences. So I have, like, those saved for each tool. So it'd be, like, eighth-inch bowl, volume rough, eighth-inch bowl, volume profile only, blah, blah, blah. So I have all those saved with, you know, all my parameters, and they all have – um. Like modal offsets saved, so like it describe G59 or G58 or G54. Well, I also have all of my old hard milling parameters saved from my old job, and those are like on the screen that populates when I first pull up, like you know, open open from file when I'm trying to populate parameters, and then I have to double click on you know my titanium folder and then grab my parameters from there. Well, I was just wasn't thinking when I pro- added in this little sequence. And I just selected the hard milling version of that cutting tools uh, parameters, and on the Makinos, I didn't describe a, a modal offset. I did that in the control, so it just has nothing. So the Haas defaults to G54. So it popped up from bottom cutting and then went over to the G54 location, which really the only thing that changed was the Z depth, and it tried to plunge down to three inches lower. And I thought that it just ran the flange of the tool holder into the top of the part. Cause I mean, the part was missing. There was no visible damage to the top of the vice. And I was like, Oh, it just hit the part and kicked the part out. And like, life is good. And I like retouched off that tool to make sure that like my Z, like my spindle didn't push up at all. Like there was no Z difference. And, um, I actually just loaded that part back in and just ran it. I'm like, all right, well, I mean, the Z was like three tenths off. It was fine. I'm like, okay, well, it must have just had like a, you know, pressure limit, Z spindle pressure limit or something, and it just alarmed out. Well, no, it actually hit it with the nose of my tool holder, but just at the edge of the vice that it pushed my entire subplate and two vices over a half of an inch. Oh, but shit. It, I couldn't, I just like hit it like it, it didn't hit the, the face of the tool holder to damage it, which obviously would have stopped it. It like had like a glancing blow that just like grazed the vice enough to push it over. And so then when I ran that part, I came over and looked at it and the part was scrap and I'm like, holy fuck, why are there extra holes? Like what happened? And then I brought my pro out just went to G59, G0, X0, Y0 or whatever. And like came down and I was like, oh shit, I'm a half inch away from my bore. So I had to strip everything <laughs> off the table and, like, stone everything and, like, realign the subplate and get everything back on and dialed. But, yeah, it was, uh, you know, obviously, if it would have been 100% rapid, I don't know if it wouldn't have gotten up to 100% rapid because, obviously, it was only going moving over two inches and going down three inches. But I certainly think it would have smacked it a lot. Like, I actually physically heard the spindle, you know what I mean, where it, like, gets bound up and and stopped itself and it wasn't like the thunk of the crash just because it was the glancing blow. It was like the the spindle flange bottoming out on the part that I actually heard. But I had like my noise cancelling with just these in and it still scared the shit out of me. You know? Yeah, it was everybody knows that sound and that feeling of just like, oh no, what just happened, you know? And
1: Yeah, any sound in there, when you're when you know every little sound in the shop. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what tool it is or what, you know, exactly what those sounds are. And, uh, my wife and I have been doing like aggressive cleaning in the garage and just throwing shit out and going through every single drawer and stuff. And I was out here running a new program yesterday on the lock frames. I reposted and I'm out here running stuff and she slammed one of the drawers, not like slammed it, but it's, you know, it's on bearings and it the drawer shot. Don't do that. What was that? Yeah. Don't do that. Um, you know, it was just a drawer luckily. So, um, that was on your VF2. Yeah. Do you ever run safe mode? You have safe mode on that?
0: I don't know. What's that? So,
1: <laughs> so before you, I think it's I think it's standard on um, next-gen controls. I'm not sure. It was kind of a newer feature. It may have been a pay option on it. But um, before you press cycle start, when you're in memory mode, just press F3. And then okay. it'll pop up safe mode on there. It slows down your rapids, um, but the machine will detect any type of collision like that, especially in Z. So if you're coming down on Z and you're rapiding into something, but you, the the motors or the encoders detect that collision before it reaches the endpoint of that travel, it'll stop everything. So you could essentially. So then you just do it. that
0: for a first run, just stop yeah. it, you know, yep. okay, and then
1: just turn F three, press F three again, and it'll turn safe mode off. Damn. Then your rapids okay. will crank up.
0: So, <laughs> dude, yeah, I'm just running by the seat of my pants, man. I mean, I, even like when I was running the Makinos for whatever ten years, I didn't have graphics. Like, I didn't have anything like that. So, it was every every program that I posted and ran was just, like, a spray and pray. So, I've, like, gotten used to that feeling as where, like, when I first got the Super Mini Mill, like, I was using Simco on every... I was posting every sequence into Simcoe and, like, watching it. And, like, I very quickly got out of the habit of doing that just because it takes too long. But, yeah. like, I probably should, you know, just when you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars tied up in these machines. And, like, the last thing you want to do is have an error in judgment or, like, that I was trying to get something off the ground in the super mini mill, trying to make adjustments to that in the VF2. And everybody knows when you're like trying to have your head into like too many things at once, that's when you make mistakes. Like usually I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing, like, okay, this machine can sit until I'm hundred percent confident that this one's running. And then when this one's running smoothly a half an hour later, I'll come get this one running. But because we're in such crunch time and I'm trying to do both things at like the same, the same pace, like, oh, I'll make a little adjustment here and like, it was one misclick, you know, and all of a sudden you're having, could have a catastrophic problem, but yeah, safe mode. Okay. I'll give that a yeah, shot. Check I mean, and see. Yeah. Just press F three sure. and you'll
1: see if it pops up or not. Yeah. I crashed one of the, uh, UMC 500s palpool, um, at pool. Um, it's the last shop. and, oh. uh, was using Mastercam and making two parts and, uh, programmed one. And then I just patterned to the other one. So, you know, obvious reasons why you'd want to pattern something. And, uh, Mastercam defaulted to just output the pattern part as G54 rather than keeping whatever website oh. you were using. And G54 was center of the C-axis and uh, at the faceplate of uh, the ZPS the, on the cool. zero point on there. So it just came up to the clearance point and instead of going over to the center of that next part, it just tried to go through the vice, you know, all the way down. And, Those uh, are the worst. Yeah, it welded the collet nut shut and everything. And I
0: mean, nothing happened. I'd probably happened. rather it, it have a straight quick, but- I'd rather have a straight Z, like a straight down Z movement than like a lateral crash where it goes to a depth and like rips the tool holder out of the spindle and feel like you knocked the spindle out of square and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I think most machines are pretty resilient to Z-axis crashes, speedios and stuff too. I mean, those things full rapid straight down and Z and they're usually just fine. So I think most of them are smart enough now to just stop and not self-destruct too bad. So,
0: Yeah, I always get people sending me... Like, oh, you're a machinist. Like, let me send you this compilation of like machine crashes and failures on Instagram. And I'm just like, I'm not even going to open that. That yeah. is like what my yeah. nightmares are made of. And like, I don't think that that's funny. And I feel really bad for those fucking people. Like, hmm. don't send me that shit.
1: Yeah. The worst, I think the worst recurring dream I have is being able to not stop the machine. Like, the Z just coming down e stop and it just keeps going. the feet hold. Dude. You stop. Whatever, and it's just just slowly coming down. You're like, slamming and it everything and nothing's
0: crush. working. Yeah,
1: and it just keeps going. And uh, yeah, those are those are my nightmares. Like I have that dream like recurring,
0: which is wild. So yeah, this it's thing, like Austin Powers off, with this the steamroller guy. Like no, and like the guy's yeah. just driving really slowly <laughs> with the fucking steamroller.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's what happened when <sighs> this thing shut off the first time when the power shut off. And uh, you know I. It kills the control, but I went in the back. I shut everything off. I'm like, all right, I'm going to let this thing just sit for a minute and then turn it all back on. And I turn it back on and the lights turn on and the spindle's turning. What the fuck's going on? Like, this thing's going to start, you know, moving around, but it was just because there was no break, just was still winding down. Yeah. And uh,
0: I actually had that happen last night. I had a, for the first time since I got this uh, phase converter, I had a low voltage alarm and both machines shut off. Thankfully, The VF2, actually, the probe and spindle, which never like that. Uh, But the uh, super mini was actually in between cuts, and so the tool was like two inches in the air. You know, it it always sinks in Z and fucking fucks the part up if it shuts off mid-cycle. But, yeah, it was just because it was so hot here yesterday. I'm just assuming, you know, with the air conditioning running full fucking blast and, you know, both machines in the cut and, like, the house air conditioning running and, like, I just got a quick little smidgen and both machines shut down which sucks but
1: yeah i'm hoping that's all that happened on this too because i haven't tried to slow anything down as far as rpm goes on these and i've run a bunch of slides which run at like 7500 rpm on some of the small tools uh, with no issue of low voltage so it may have just passed you know when it was like 95 pretty much every day for a couple weeks here so much cooler now starting to kind of rain a little bit and cool off but still kind of nasty
0: nice man so Cool. So what are you up to today? Um, well, I just made a lot the of shop. progress the
1: past couple days, right?
0: Well, two days ago was zero negative progress, crashed the machine, scrapped three sets of frames, um, which was like a hairy thing. I scrapped the first set of frames. It was like, it was the job that I was trying to run in the VF2. Then I crashed it and then I picked everything back up and I put a part back into my, my soft job. Actually, the, yeah, I put a part in there, I cut it, and it was wonky. I don't know what it was, but i had already kind of decided while that was mid-cycle, okay, I'm actually going to move this job back over to the Super Mini Mill because the um, VF2, whether it's the HSM or whatever, there are certain 3D things that it just cuts better. And because everything that I was doing in there was 2D, I was like, I'll just move that job over to the Super Mini Mill. And I'm going to set up some 3D stuff over in um, the VF2. So I moved that job over here after I hadn't made any good parts. Um, And I replaced a few tools over here. um, Just, you know, stuff that was probably used because I had been hard milling blades in this machine. And I was like, I'm just going to replace some stuff. So I cut a set of frames. And the stop pins and the pivots were oversized by like two thousandths, like sloppy as hell. I'm like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. Um, But I was like looking at um, my posted program and I had made some changes to it. And it was not, I was using cutter comp for those, obviously. And it was not, there was no G41 in in any of the program for any of those. It's like, okay, what's going on here? Somehow I had imported some parameters where the lead in was way too big for the profiling that I was doing. And so there was no way to engage cutter comps. I had like a 10,000 tangent move at 10,000 like to allow the cutter comp to turn on and then a 10,000 lead in. And for some reason it had, had like a 50,000 lead in. So it just ignored the lead in and there was no move to be able to engage cutter comp. I'm like, okay, well I made the changes to the program, like reposted it out. Good to go. Okay. Ran the part. Next one was fucking like 2000s oversized. So I'm like, what the hell? Like code's good. Check my, I actually had cutter comp was uh, I, had, I had made it plus I like it was plus six or seven tenths per side. Um, so then I get my indicator out and I check that tool and the fucking tool is running out a thou and a half. So I'm like, then I'm remembering I had put those HTC carbide end mill store three thirty seconds in for I was blanking out like carbon fiber and shit something that I didn't care about It's using shitty tool that's going to get dull. Well those ones run out like a son of a bitch for some reason, like every one that I have. I don't I use Lakeshore for everything. So I replaced that with a Lakeshore tool, which they're always perfect. But do you think that I checked the run out on the Lakeshore tool? No. Put it in, cut another set of frames. Somehow the one Lakeshore tool that I grabbed out of the drawer was running out seven tenths on one flute. And so I still overcut the fucking stop pin. So like I tap that tool in so that it's running within a couple of tenths. And then I bump it up a thousand and a half on the where, you know, where offset. And I just chase it back in until it, it's cutting. but it was just like, it was laborious. I fucked and crashed the machine on this job, switch it over to here, just three sets of frames. And it was just one of those days where I was like, I can't win today. I just can't. So yeah. anyways, fast forward to, yeah. Oh okay, yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, 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 go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: So fast forward to yesterday and I'm entering the day like namaste, saw I'm like deep breaths. And I actually ended up having, like, the most kick-ass day that I've had in quite a while. I worked, like, 14 hours. I got 10 blades, hard-milled finished. I got 9 or 10 sets of frames complete um, on Op 1, which is a lot of dialing in of some stuff. But that got that got running smoothly. I ran all the pocket clips, all the backspacers, and all the pivot collars for all of the Maker Syndicate show builds. So I actually ended the day yesterday with nothing to do for these maker syndicate builds because I was waiting for my subliner inserts to come in the mail, which should be here any minute from UPS. So like end of the day and I was like, man, I just like stayed." It was, you know, those days where you're just like, you're motivated where you're like jobs done. Next job in jobs done. Next jobs in like, I'm not stopping to piss. I'm not stopping to answer phone calls or text messages. I'm just like jaws in jaws out probe cycle, start check, blah, 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 blah. And like the day ended and I was just like, holy shit. That was a good day at work. Like that's a, that's, that's a day where you, you earned your money, you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, I, 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 entered today. I actually ended up um, making the decision this morning to run down and do some deer stuff and property management stuff with a buddy of mine. Cause I was like, well, UPS isn't going to get there till like 11. I've been running. I mean, I know you've been running hard, but I mean, I've been working 14, 15 hours a day for like the last two week straight. You know, my family went out of town this last weekend and I stayed home, you know, working my nuts off. And I just kind of decided this morning on a 90 degree day that I needed to go sweat my ass off in the woods for a couple hours. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on schedule. Um, I have my buddy Logan coming into town on Friday. Uh, he works for coal. He's a manufacturing engineer slash design engineer for yeah coal iron works in Indianapolis. Um, and he's who I went to forge that stainless Damascus with in, in May. And he's actually going to come to town because he has access to like a mid 90s VF zero at Cole where he does like some prototyping stuff for like the stuff that he's designing, the projects that he's working on. But they allow him after hours to kind of make whatever he wants in there. And I, I mean, it's it, it's pretty clapped out. But like as a glorified water jet, it's like doing 2D stuff and poking holes and cutting counterbores and like cutting chamfers works perfectly fine so kind of our agreement was um if he comes if i go to to indy to indiana to work with him for a few days that sometime between then and this show that he would uh, pop to erie for a few days we would go over machining concepts fixturing concepts speeds and feeds order of operations um my approach to like cutting cutting parts and uh in the meantime also maybe potentially do some max style manufacturing on one of his folder models because he's been making fixed blades like for about as long as I have like I think 8 years or something that's kind of we learned we met each other the first year I was making knives and uh, he's a young kid I think he's only like 26 27 uh, but super motivated and uh, makes some really cool fixed blades but wants to break into the folder market and so we're going to kind of go over some of his models and make some tweaks and maybe make some some parts but I had told him that I had wanted to get to the point where all of my knives parts were completely manufactured. They were all assembled. And then I could go into two and a half days with him or two days with him. And then I could have five days to finish my own knives. So that was kind of my goal was to enter our time Friday being there. So looking at it, if those live subliner inserts arrive today and I work on them today and tomorrow morning, then I should have 24 hours to kind of assemble all of my stuff and probably even get started on locks and detents before he arrives. So my schedule is I'm, I'm on schedule and on track for, uh, for what I was hoping for. I wouldn't have guessed that a couple of days ago that I would be there, but I am somehow
1: nice. Yeah. You killed it yesterday for sure.
0: Yeah. It's funny how just like one, one day of like success can like really push you forward, you know, like can change that feeling of, uh, like dread and, and doubt into like, motivation to where, you know, if you have a, if I have a bad day tomorrow, I can reflect on yesterday was a really good day and I can have another really good day just like that. Even if that day is tomorrow, you know, so really a bit, pretty uplifting.
1: Nice. Yeah. There's some days where I come out and I just, one thing after the next is a problem. And I just, you know, I'm out. I got to take a break from this. Cause I'm just going to keep getting worse, snowballing, but yeah. yeah, those days where it's good, where you just don't even want to eat. And it's like, all right, cool. I'm going to set up the Snaps job, probe it. Then I'm going to go inside, you know, eat some food, come back out. Yeah, but then you're ready to go. And it's like, I might as well post and run. And then four hours later, it's like, I'm still out well. doing something. Yeah. Yeah. I've been trying to work. Yeah. I've been trying to get up was... like around six and then uh, get some stuff started, then get ready, take cuts into school and then just keep going. So I'm like officially out here kind of dressed and ready to do whatever at like 730. Nice. And then I've been out here till like 1030 to 1230. Most nights. So
0: no I mean days. it's important, like, it's good that your wife gets it. Like I'm my wife and I have kind of been like bickering a little bit just because like when like she's being super supportive and letting me do my thing and hanging like handling all of the kids' stuff, homework after school, getting them to sports, making them dinner, getting them into bed. Like, you know, she's been handling it all, but I'm not really seeing her interacting with her much and I'm finding myself, like when I go inside at night, like I'm kinda of snippy and irritable and like hmm mentally have like some expectations of like how she's greeting me or like how she's engaging. And then like forgetting that, like she just dealt with the kids like all afternoon and night. Like the last thing she wants to do is like have like a meaningful conversation with me. Like she doesn't give a shit like her, her effort towards what I'm doing is giving me the space to do it, not to like engage about it when I come inside, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I, yeah. and I'm trying to work around that, which is like, being more appreciative of the space that she's giving me understanding that like my mental well being is far more impacted by how successful I am at work than like how much time I'm not spending with them right now. You know, she really reads the room well, like she knows that in me as where, you know, I don't do that nearly as well as she does. Unfortunately. Yeah. I got to work on a lot of that stuff. I think as long as you're aware of it, you know what I mean? And like, I always say this to my kids, like when we're like trying to eliminate a bad habit, it's not about eliminating the bad habit. It's about becoming aware that it's happening and then progressively becoming aware faster that it's happening. So like if it's something new and I fucking go off the handle and five minutes later, I realized I made a mistake and then I can um, like make an adjustment to that. um, And the next time it happens, I can become aware that it happened two minutes after it happened. Then it's a minute after it happened. And before you know it, like five seconds before you do it, you catch it and you stop yourself from doing it. You know, it's not about making that immediate change. It's just about forcing yourself to be accountable for it and not like dying on the hill that you're right or what you did is okay or justified, um, which is difficult, right? Like it's difficult to like look back and say, you know what? I was a fucking dick or that was a really bad choice on my part. And then to, like, keep that in the forefront of your brain without letting it, like, dominate your thoughts, but just to let it become more impactful on, like, how you react to things situationally. But it isn't easy. No. Yeah, it's a constant
1: struggle. At least for me, I did. I think I'm getting a little bit better about being patient with stuff
0: like that, but definitely know the feeling. So I'm going to kill... Sorry, my wife has just added, like, a thousand, like calendar events and my watch is just ding 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 like literally just ding 50 times in a row and i'm trying to swipe up to silence it but <laughs> i the can hear notifications it, yeah. are coming in so fast as i'm trying to like silence it that i can't get, like i want to take this watch off and chuck it against the wall <laughs> anyways um but uh cool. yeah so she, she's been cool i'm glad that britney's been cool and uh that's awesome that your days are starting early mine are still starting yeah. a little late like my routines kind of found a home, and like I get up at six o'clock. I get my son up at six o'clock. I kind of like mill around for like a half an hour. Like I'm just like waking up Ooh. kind of slowly, you know. Maybe take my morning constitutional, whatever, like the case may be. And then I come out here and I get the machines turned on, get the air compressor turned on. But my wife kind of was like, "Hey, if you can come in around eight ten, like it's pretty helpful to me if between eight ten and eight thirty, you can help get the kids ready, so that well, she when she leaves at eight thirty to take the baby to preschool." but the kids don't get on the bus till 8.45, that like they're for sure like shoes are on, they have their backpacks, lunches are packed. And like that way they're not getting on the bus or missing the bus. So I kind of have been interrupted by that, but I've kind of been liking that. I like being a part of that routine. So then I come back out after the kids get on the bus at 8.45, having maybe gotten a cycle running or two, I like to try and get the machines running if I had had something running the night before through that time that I'm inside with them. And then keep the machines running. I get on the treadmill. I do my stretching, my back mobility, my hip mobility stuff. And then and then typically after that, you know, it takes about 40, 45 minutes. I try and keep the machines running through that. Then my day like actually really starts. But if I didn't have anything running from the night before, I find myself not really starting my day till after my exercise is finished, which is not what I really want to have happening. But I know that if I prioritize work ahead of like, those things that I will forego doing those things because I will always try. I'll end up working through it. And then before you know it, it's 11 and you're not getting that routine. So like on days when the night nights work before allows me to get the machines going, I prioritize that, but otherwise I'm trying to prioritize initial family contact and exercise to set the tone for the day. You know, that's kind of like where I'm finding my grounding. And so on nights when I'm missing them after school or I'm working late, and I look back and I'm like justifying that I like didn't exercise or whatever. Like I, you know, I, that impacts me a lot more than like if I just take the time and start a little bit later.
1: Yeah. It's it's good to be able to do that. Um, I try and kind of bond with Hudson a bit more too. I mean, we hang out all the time, but um, just walking him to and from school and picking him up and stuff like it's a nice, you know, it's only 10 minutes there and back uh, or each way, so, but it's nice. You know, it's, Time just us, and we can talk about whatever, and talk about school, and see how he's feeling and everything. And it's a, a nice kind of like intimate, just one-on-one time with him. And uh, my wife usually gets the kids ready in the morning and stuff while I'm getting ready for the day. Uh, but by the time I'm up and taking him to school, I'm already showered and dressed and literally ready to go. Sure. Uh, so I usually try and start early, but today she kind of got on me a little bit, and she's like, "Dude, you you have no sense of urgency for any of this other stuff." Like I'm stuck in my routine where it's like, if I don't go through my routine, I feel like it sets the tone for my day and I'm just not where I need to be, but sure, uh, I need to try and get a little bit better about that.
0: When when she's saying yeah. your, sense, your sense of urgency, like with regard to family stuff or with regard to work stuff or like, what is she referring family to? Family
1: stuff pri- primarily, it's always kind of like, uh, you know, if I got to go do something for the shop or I got to go somewhere drop off parts or I got to go do something for hobby stuff you know it's like I'm up early I'm showered and I'm out the door and it's all quick you know but if we're getting ready to get up in the morning and go to school and do stuff I'm kind of dragging my feet a little bit even though we get on we're on time and we do all that but I could do my stuff faster so that I could help her out more I think is what the issue is so I need to work on that. honestly
0: that's that rings true here my wife will say that like you're always on gym time, you know, yeah, if it's important exactly. to you, it's number one priority. And like, yeah. if it's important for us, exactly. like who knows if it'll ever, even ever get done. And Ooh. so it's hard because it's true. And like, I don't know how to change it. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like, I tell her, like, it's not personal. Like, it's not like I am like, oh, this is something I want to do. So I'm gangbusters on it. And this is something you want and fuck you. I'm not doing it. Like, it's never malicious. No, it's not
1: like that at all. Yeah. You know?
0: And like, but they take it so personally and I'm like, I promise you, this is not like Mm -hmm. me blowing you off. It's just that I feel like that there are, and like there, this is a bullshit cop out, but I feel like there's something chemically that like, I'm not in control of that. Like when it's something that is important to me, I prioritize it. And when it's something that's not important to me, like, I don't know, there's less motivational chemicals in my body. They're like pushing me forward to get it done. And like, that's not to say that like, I can't rationalize that this is important and I'm going to do it right now, but there are some times where I just don't want to fucking do it. You know what I mean? And it's like, (laughs) like, I don't, I don't know how to, you know, like, I don't, I'm not like, it's not in like a a rude way. It's just like, I want to say to her, like, you've never been unmotivated in your life. You know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. I know that you go through that a lot, you know what I mean. Like, like cut me some slack here. But then she'll say, "Like, did I cut you slack all the time?" Here, are the let me yeah. count the ways, and I'm like, "Yeah, no, you're right." So they're right for sure. I, yeah, they're not I, wrong. Like, there's no, it, yeah. there's, there's no, there's no justifying out of it. You know, we're yeah, no, we definitely yeah. are passionate people that don't give enough of our passion to our families. But with that said, you are a very, like, involved and dedicated parent. You know, and. I, I am in some ways envious. Like, I don't know if it's because you have less kids or you have a better parental instinct, but like, sometimes I wonder if I had less kids or I had them later in life, like, would I be a more attentive father to them than I have been? I don't know. I'll never know, you know, but I see, you know, guys like you have one or two or even three kids in some regards, depending on the ages, but like, they're so invested. And I'm like, I can't be that level of invested in all my kids because if I was, I would have no time to do anything else just cause there's so many of them, you know? Yeah, it's tough. And I don't know how Brittany is like my, like Brandy will say, we don't care how much time you spend with us. Just like when you're spending time with us, give us your attention. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. stay off your phone. Like I do so much doom scrolling, dude. Like, Even she'll say, like, you were in here for an hour last night, but you're just on your fucking phone for an hour. Like, you weren't engaging with us. Like, you were just here, like, doing whatever you're doing. And, like, that's been my biggest battle for 10 years since cell phones and social media have become a thing. And, like, you can justify it like, oh, well, I'm on my phone because of the business. And she's like, you got to draw the line somewhere, dude. Like, when you're done for the night, if it's 7 or 8 o'clock, like, do you got to put it on airplane mode? Like, what do you got to do, you know? And yeah, so, tough. those are boundaries that we're always exploring.
1: Yeah, I deleted all that stuff a while ago. I I, I took a break from it and kind of re- recognized that I was just doom scrolling and doing that shit. And I be at the kitchen table and we're just both on our phones. You know, kids are there and nobody's really talking to each other. We're sending memes back and forth to each other and it's like, so I deleted all that stuff for a while and kind of took a break from it. And I think I've gotten a little bit better, but I catch myself. You know, sometimes I'm just sitting on the couch. I'm like, dude, I should either be. On the computer doing some work shit, getting ready for the show, or I should actually still be out in the shop instead of just sitting on my phone playing Call of Duty or something.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but it's tough, you know, So trying to be aware of it and
0: I think that's all like it the- comes down to, man. Is like staying aware, making small changes, and like expecting more of yourself. It might take mm-hmm. a long time, but over time, it's like anything else. The habit will develop, and like you're going to, you look back and be like, man, I can't believe I was that guy a year ago or whatever. The problem is, is that sometimes the change happens so slow that like your significant other doesn't appreciate the progress. You know what I mean? It just, it slowly just morphs into something else that they're frustrated with because this was rectified, but you replaced it with something else that annoys the shit out of them. You know what I
1: mean? <laughs> Everything I do annoys her though. So. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No, it's, like seeing, it's, yeah, it's like seeing a kid every day. You don't really see how fast they grow. You know, you don't, somebody else comes in like, holy shit, dude, this kid's huge. It's the same. hundred percent,
0: man. Um,
1: Yeah. I I don't know if this is the, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I just, you know, you were talking about uh, just the amount of time and stuff and prioritizing family. And it's like, obviously I get stressed about the shop and like productivity and, and money and all that stuff. But I try and think about just the kids and like the, the small amount of time that you actually have with those kids win their kids and it's like dude by the time he's 10 he's gonna be doing his own shit he's gonna have his own friends and i'm not gonna be his best friend anymore you know and uh it's like right now we'll go to school and he'll like introduce me as like his best friend to his friends and stuff and it's like this is my best friend dad (laughs) yeah so it's cool you know and um you know he's not embarrassed or anything it's cool he's like hugging hugging a kiss dad you know and i push him on the wagon and he hops out and do all that and uh so I, I really try and like prioritize that as much as possible, and like obviously if there's stuff in the shop that has to get done, it's it's one thing, and I'll make sure that it gets done in Brittany's understanding of that. Um, but like last week, we went to Disneyland twice last week. I think it was two times in one week. Whatever, we live so close. But it's like, hey, we're going to Disneyland today after Hudson's off school. All right, you know, and shut everything down, and I'm out of here at three o'clock. Thankfully, yep. I you know was out here at six or seven thirty or whatever, so I still got you know a full day in, but um. But yeah, we try and do as much as we can with them because it's so short. It's like you think about it. It's like, all right, I'm going to bust my ass right now. So we don't have to later, you know, but yep. by the time later it gets here, it's like the kids are already going to be grown up, you know, so. Yep. Uh, no, for sure, I, man. That's yeah. it's,
0: it's it's critical. Like, it's, I think it depends on the kids too. like Callum's 13 and like. He'll take as much as I give. So every time I walk by no him, idea. he's still like, can I have a hug? Like, sure, dude, of course. You know, like if I'm like, hey you want to run to Lowe's with me? Yep. Let's go. As we're like, That's rad. my eight year old and like, Hey, you want to run to Lowe's? And be like, uh, do I have to, you know? So it's like totally kid, kid dependent. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. there's a time where they, they want to be your best friend. Then they go through a couple of years of independence. And then I think as they're coming into themselves hormonally, there's a time when they start to lean on you again, where they're like, don't recognize what's going on in their body. That just something's happening. They don't really know how to handle it. And like, you know, they just are looking for a little bit more time with you because I think it makes them feel stable when everything's changing. And then when they're like 15 and they're chasing chicks and they can drive and whatever, they don't give a shit about you. I feel like there's a a sweet spot there where you can like rekindle, you know, if you had a couple of years where there was a little bit of less time spent, you kind of have some time to re-involve them. Like Callum this year, I took him hunting for the first time and he killed a turkey, you know, like those, that was a new experience for him that like we got to experience together and like, He's looking forward to like going deer hunting and, you know, our archery open opens in like three weeks. And so getting an opportunity to do that with me was something he's seen me be passionate about for the last 10 or 12 years, you know, so can find those things as they age to include them, you know, even coming out here, like he's so technical and like detail oriented and like compulsive and like kind of nerdy where I'm like. I think he would actually like maybe enjoy doing this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Whether it's like programming or design stuff or like understanding the idiosyncrasies of the machine and running cycles. Like I could see him getting interested in doing this. Um, So I'm going to offer him that opportunity, you know, and like see what, what comes of it. I would love it if one of my kids, I want them all to do great things with their lives. But if one of them was truly passionate about this in any, in any capacity, I'd love to be able to share the business with them, you know, to see them motivated and have them help me grow it. I'll never push them to do that, but like if it fell into their lap and it just so happened to work out, that'd be sweet. Yeah, that's cool. I, I had that conversation with Hudson a couple of days ago, uh, before
1: bedtime, like always try and prioritize like a couple of morning, a couple minutes in the morning, a couple of minutes when you pick them up from school. And then a couple minutes before they go to sleep. You say that's like the sure. most critical time in a child's life is like those nine minutes. Um, but, uh, yeah, we were talking about that before he we went to bed a couple of nights ago. I'm like, what do you want to do? You know? And, uh, Like You don't have to come out like because he comes out in the shop all the time. He's always out here and he's going through stuff and building things and stacking material and everything. And uh, I was asking him, like, what, you know, what do you what do you like doing? What do you want to do? And I already know. But he was like, oh, I want to be a paleontologist. And uh, because he just loves bones and building shit and puzzles and like he can he'll he'll sit there. He's been doing this for a couple of years. He'll sit and do like a 500 piece puzzle by himself. And And he's totally fine with it. It's fucking wild. But he'll Elon also Musk go out 2. in the and play soccer with the neighbor kids. You know, so he's like totally social, but he could sit for hours and play on, on his own. Uh, but he's like, yeah, I want to be a paleontologist, but I want to be a surfing paleontologist because I want to find Mosasaurus bones. You know, the, the oh, sick, water and dude. Shit. I'm like, all right. Rad yeah, that's perspective. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's cool. Uh, Grayson just started walking a couple of days ago. Damn, he dude. His first, he took his first steps. How old so. is he? Two? He's almost two. Yeah. November, yeah. will be two. So he's like 21. Yeah. News coming too, up though.
0: on it. That's, that's yeah. awesome, dude. Like,
1: yeah. He's been kind of a late bloomer with a lot of that stuff. I was going to say, that's
0: a little late, but, you know, issues are yeah. not like I've had a couple of kids that waited until they were damn near two to walk. You know, some of them were yeah. walking at 13 months. It just depends on the kid. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Totally. We're not worried about it. I mean, he had a lot of issues. He was in the NICU for a while and he had a G tube for a long time and all that shit's out, though. And he's eating and he's doing really well. So he's Major a total progress. Boss yeah yeah he's killing it now so it's awesome cool. exciting well, i'm to glad see the family's work. doing good Come in, yeah that's good so cool. i guess
0: we spent half this podcast episode talking about intangibles family balance <laughs> nothing hardly <laughs> about machining like i think it's just us needing to vent because we're just getting burnt out on this show prep and it's like i'm thinking about knives all day and then we have to record a podcast we're thinking about knives and i'm like i need a little bit of something else in my life but um I so what's your plan for people. the rest of the, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, so, yeah.
1: Just before we jump off I, I, to something else, I do talk to a lot of guys that listen and they're like, this is a very like relatable podcast. Cause this dude's just like us. They're sitting in their garages or in their shops by themselves. And most of them have kids and mm-hmm. we all just deal with the same shit, you know? So it's cool yeah, um, I, getting feedback from people like, dude, I deal with the same struggles all the time. And it's nice because it's not like, Oh yeah, I dealt with struggles on being rejected on that loan for the new machine or whatever and shit. It's like now I woke up and my kid puked all over my shit. And it's like, <laughs> you know, we're all dealing with the same stuff, so it's cool.
0: Yeah, it's uh sometimes it's hard if you feel like you're walking the road alone and you don't realize like how many people are just walking the same path. You know, and, there's like, so many of us. Yeah, it's okay. Like it's a different struggles, you know, depending on your lifestyle. But like nobody shits perfect, and like no. It's this is very trite, like it's re, it's a redundant thing to say, but like these social media highlight reels, man, of people just seeing your wins and like not seeing your losses and thinking your life is perfect and like I honestly have like made my hay, I think, with relatability to my customers just because I've always been like very upfront with my struggles, like just with like in my stories or posts or whatever. And um, you know, so I kind of try and paint the picture you know, both sides of the story, just so that these guys are like very aware of like who I am and what I put into what I'm doing. And like, I feel like there's a lot of people that never lift, like, you know, let let their customers or people in behind the fourth wall, they're just seeing, you know, finished knives or auction posts, or it's like, man, this guy's killing it, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. I, I I've, I've always found that people appreciate knowing, you know, the man behind the brand, you know, what the day-to-day life is like of the guy that's just like scratching and, and pawing at, at trying to find success. And like, I think that um, the more that we can share that, whether it's through this podcast or through Instagram or whatever, like, I think the better off the strength of our business is and like the relatability only increases. So, yeah, you know.
1: cool. Yeah. I used to do those meet your, uh, meet your maker posts all the time and not a lot, but I've seen a couple from you. I need to do something like that. I feel like I never yeah. really showed my face until like we would started doing this podcast. Very, sure. very few times. There was, like maybe two or three stories where like I was on top of the mill talking about bringing this thing in, but other than that, you know, really nothing. I, I forget I if mean, it was Saunders or Grimsmore or one of them, but it was like, yeah, things completely changed this when I turned the camera around, you know, because it's actually relatable to like an actual person now. So, it's no, cool. you're it, doing it great too, makes man. A lot of sense.
0: You know, like you're a natural, you don't really realize it. Like the way that you present information, like whether it's from like the technical perspective or like just the bigger oversight, you know, it's not, you're always looking at the big picture. Um, And I think that you have a lot to share and I've gotten so used to like talking to people this way that like, it feels natural to just like have a conversation and share my thoughts. But it's cool to see you kind of coming out of your shell. And like, I think it's only going to help you because There's a hundred thousand people that make shit, but like there's only one of you that makes the things that you make. And 50% of what makes what you do unique is who you are. So, like, you can share your products, but like, now there, don't get me wrong, there are some people who like their brand thrives around ambiguity, you know, Hmm. and like the allure of like, we don't know the guy making it, we just know that it's getting made, you know, and like there is an aura that that illusion or elusiveness is like, something that certainly draws like a certain crowd of people in but like I've always wanted my people to feel like they're buying something for me not just something for my brand and knowing that like they're aware of my kids or like my kids struggles and like knowing that like what they're putting their money into is like helping me to like raise an american family you know what i mean like i just think that that's a cool a cool uh, relatability so i think the more you do this i think the more your brand is going to grow you're timing it really well because you're introducing a very unique product offering into a space that's pretty stagnant and also rebranding yourself as being a part of your brand and i think that rolling out like those two things uh in parallel is gonna like just allow your your brand in general to just explode so i'm very excited yeah, to she, see where this leads you
1: yeah i'm excited for it um yeah we were kind of talking about that stuff just like posting and what to post and how to do it and when to do it and all that shit, and it's like It's hard to kind of navigate that stuff. I know like 2016, 17, that was when my Instagram just blew up. I mean, it's not huge, but I mean, there's like almost 18,000 followers on there. But most of those were from around that time. And then it just sat there. Since 2017, it hasn't moved literally at all until like the past few days. It bumped up from like 17.6 to 17.7 or whatever. Um, You know, but Instagram makes it very difficult to really see like who's unfollowing and where it's really going. And then obviously any of those third-party apps and shit are always kind of unreliable.
0: So, And don't um, go down the rabbit hole because at the I, end of the day, yeah, who cares? I try not to.
1: Yeah. I I try not to care about that shit. Um, but I do. I, I mean, I'm like conscious of it where it's like, all right, is it because there's a bunch of ghost followers, you know, and then the percentages of actual real followers and ghosts is off. And that's why there's no traffic. It, who knows? Uh,
0: I think My opinion stay, of it is, just is state like, of course, really. No, you have to. And like, I feel like social media, like I see people with 3,500 followers that have a thousand entries into their lotteries, you know, like I think Hmm. what is most important about these, you know, when your account is a little bit older, like ours, like I started mine in 2016 years, been the same one since 2014, probably 11 or um, 11, 12, you know, yeah, 2012, whatever. I feel like that, like your follower number is just like a credibility check for two Mm -hmm. seconds where like a new person's like, Oh, are you on Instagram? And like, yeah, here's my HMC.knives. And they pull it up and they're like, Oh, this person's got like 20,000 followers. They must be doing something pretty cool. And then from there, Mm -hmm. that's, that's the only thing that is the only thing that mattered from them encountering your Instagram. It's like, okay, this person's legit. Now I'm going to be interested in what they're doing because other people are. And it's less about content distribution. Like the strength of that is in your Facebook group or your email list or whatever other mm-hmm. method you have for delivering your content. But Instagram is the most relatable one person credibility. It's like your business card of like, here's my name, it has my location, here's how many people follow me. Okay, this guy's business is legit. I'm now taking interest in it. And beyond that, I don't put any stock in like who gets my shit through Instagram. Cause it could be a hundred people, it could be three thousand people. I don't know. And I don't like I'm so over like putting effort into like worrying about it. Because I don't think that there's really any way that I can improve it, you know? And I don't think, because here's the other thing. Refers back to last week. Availability, availability, availability. I could have 100,000 followers and it doesn't change how much product I'm able to put out of the world. If I could scale with like the growth that I received at my social media group, then yeah, it would have precedence, like a Montana knife company type of a situation. They're selling 3,000 knives a month. Because they have their logistics in place to be able to do that. So as they're growing and as Josh Smith is on Fox News or this ex-celebrity is getting their shit and promoting it, every customer that gets driven to them is able to get a knife if they really want to because their drops last 10 minutes before they sell out. So anybody can get one if they want one. But we're not at that place. So it's like, does it really matter? No. It's, my follower number yeah. and my in, and my engagement can grow as my ability to sell knives more often also grows, you know, yeah, the day it, comes where I have a product it, that yeah. doesn't sell, then I'm worried. But until mm. that day comes, then like, you know, who cares? Yeah. That's a good outlook on it for sure. I think Facebook, like you said,
1: Facebook is real good. It's a good core group of people on there. Um, yep. like anybody that's following Facebook groups is going to be a little bit more invested in spending time and actually engaging on there than
0: Instagram. <sighs> it's just so easy to just join it and follow. So, um, Totally, man. Yeah. Well, what are you up to as we're wrapping up? It's been 55 minutes. Yeah, you have uh, four days left in this week and then five full days of work left. So you have nine and a half days to wrap up everything that you're wrapping up. You have your show side frames are done. You're doing op two on your lock side frames. Your pocket clips op one are done. You still have to tab blank them out and do up two. And you have to finish mm-hmm. your blades. What's your next? Are all your lock bars <laughs> done or did you just make one lock bar? I one? made one lock
1: bar. So um, I do want to talk to you about this a little bit. So I made one lock bar. Um, it's mm-hmm. 40 thou thick. It's 50 thou thick. It's 40 thou thick. It's a relief. Um, and then it ends up being like around a hundred or so, uh, maybe a little bit, 70 or so in the back. Uh, okay. And uh, so it snaps in the deep, it snaps in that dovetail and everything fit perfect. It's bent nice, um, locates real snug, but because this is only 50 thou thick, the pocket that I could make in the frame, I could only go fifty thousand thick before it breaks through into the external features, you know, without making this stuff too thick. Um mm-hmm. I'm concerned right now that I'm not gonna have enough over travel from the lock bar to get the detent ball out of the way without binding the blade unless mm-hmm. I flatten the detent ball to like ten thou proud of the lock face. Um which is which is enough engagement the only issue is that, is it going to be enough to keep the lock or to keep the blade from bouncing back out of D10? So, you know, cause when you have a 30 thou of that ball catching, you know, even if it bounces back 20 thou, it's going to still catch it and close. Um, I can so say flattening the ball that much that it's going to just bounce back out. So I'm thinking I might actually just thin this out maybe to 40 and then I'll have an extra 10, but I think it might be too thin.
0: So here's what you do. Here's what you do. This is this is the move. Um it's gonna take um a little bit of lackluster process as far as repeatability goes, but what I have done, because you don't have like a surface grinder on hand and you don't have like a surface grinding attachment, I have bolted that lock bar down to a plate, like any kind of a fixture plate. And then I put a piece of double-sided tape down and I put like a 20,000s phosphor bronze washer underneath the lock bar on the double-sided tape. And I press it down so that part of the lock bar is gripping the double-sided tape and then the washer is lifting that up. And then Mm -hmm. what you can actually do is... You can take a pass. I'll even do this Bridgeport style in the machine, just hand jogging. With that lock bar raised up twenty thousandths, just machine the backside of the lock bar on an angle, ten thousandths. So you still have, what did you say, fifty thousandths of lock bar width. So you'll still have forty thousandths on an angle, but just in the area where it needs to over-travel for the ball to ride, it has space Ooh. behind it. A lot of guys do that with, on their surface grinding attachments, like for the grinder, they'll do that same thing: put the frame on double-sided tape, put a PB washer underneath one end, and then just pull it back and forth and let the grinder. You could even do it manually on the grinder if you really wanted to, yeah. you know, or I, whatever. I can just do you it you in can the s- mill
1: too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could just surface not, that like, taper in the mill.
0: Yep. If I yeah, do I mean, that, you could just. Which oh is yeah, because you're gonna have it set. You're gonna have it set up for op two anyways. Yeah. So, so I did
1: op two. I did the bottom on op one. Uh, The dovetail and all that stuff. And then I drop it down in the soft jaws, hold the entire lock bar, and then relieve off all this top stuff.
0: So the end will be unsupported in op 2 because you're going to cut a taper on the backside. But But it'll be grouting completely. And it's it's the inside of the, you know, nobody's going to see, especially if you're blasting the insert. Nobody's going to see if your surface finish is a little bit wonky there, like if it chatters Mm -hmm. or something. Nobody's going to notice that, but yeah, you could just surface a relief, whatever it is, like an inch, you know, or whatever the case may be, you know, that that's probably the route that I would go.
1: So if I take it down to 40 thou, I have 10 thou gap between the blade and the frame. Um, And then if I relieve the back of this, that gives me 20 thou total gap with this completely impressed down to the frame, Mm -hmm. um, which is how much the ball sticks out anyway. So as long as I just maybe flat top, a few thousand so it doesn't bind the blade. Yep. I just don't want, I I'm not a huge fan of flattened balls. Um, but I don't want it to be tight, you know, binding this no. and crushing the whole thing as it's closing. So if you can
0: find a way to flatten the ball parallel to the frame or parallel to the blade to make sure that like the flattened ball doesn't mean that just one half of the flattened ball is dragging Like that's the biggest issue for me is like finding a way to make sure that that flattened surface is parallel to the blade. So you just have a smooth open and closing like that is something I've never mastered. Like obviously some people will grip a diamond disc in an arbor in their bridge port and then just hold your liner flat and then come down so that you're certain that the liner is flat. The disc is square to the arbor. So you know that you're within as flat as you can get then come down and actually you know what's nice about that way is you can come down touch off the disc on the top of the ball zero your quill you know my, you know scale or your dro and then come down to a known number if you want to take five thousandths off the top of the ball you know exactly how much you're removing when you're doing that so yeah you know
1: that's a good idea i'm trying to figure out what i need to do next so obviously i'm going to finish all the rest of the lock frames. So then all the frames yep. are done. So the main thing right now is that I've got three vices in here. They're all single stations, but I have one that's all talon stuff because everything first stop is all in the talons. And then I've got two vices with soft jaws, but I already mm-hmm. had the soft jaws cut for the outside of the slab frames. So I yep. wanted to finish those. So I didn't have to cut those jaws again. Correct. Um, Cause e- you know how it goes. It doesn't matter how good you make the jaws and how good the attachment system is. Like it always kind of sucks putting jaws back in.
0: So I don't even, uh, I just redress do, them.
1: Yeah, I just try and redress them. But because there's so much geometry in these things, I have relief and there's there's a bunch of stuff in there. So I'm like, I don't want to cut these things again. I'm just going to hammer these things out, keep working on something else um, until they're done. So I'm going to finish the lock frames. And then next I'm thinking either I got to I want to finish the lock bars before I do the blades because then I can put lock bars in all the frames and I can fit the blades to each frame. I'm hoping I don't have to do like a fit to each one, and I can just machine them and be done because everything should be pretty consistent. Um, but I want to I want to finish lock frames and lock bars before I do blades, um, okay? Because then I can actually test assemble some stuff. Because if I overcut the the blades, and then I haven't cut these yet, you know I have to make these longer, but then these aren't going to fit into the pocket that's in the frame. Right. So I think I need to do constrain all of this lock stuff first and then do the blades last
0: um i would think clips. that i would want to like finish a blade first to test assemble mm-hmm. but i also see the merits in what you're what you're saying is like yeah get everything fit perfectly do blades last so that you can manipulate the blade geometry that's the only thing that's your constant rather than like some blades yeah. are one way some lock bars are shorter it's like no all the lock bars are fitted into the frames all the lock bars are the same length you're going to cut a theoretical lock face on your blade. And then if it's too short, make the adjustment. And then the blade is the only place that you're tweaking. Everything else stays the same. I think that makes sense.
1: So, and then I've got to do, I feel like
0: would be the the last thing I would fuck with. It's like superficial doesn't have anything to do with function and like, Mm -hmm. you know, call it, call it, you know, call that the last thing you're going to finish.
1: Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. I mean, part of me keeps like, I, like I said, it's like, with a with the pocket clips, I'm like I should do those last. But then I'm like, you know what? I have the stock; it's already cut. This is going to be a couple hours where I saw cut all the other frame shit. I'm just going to run these things. Part of me is kind of thinking like, all right, well, I can set up one set of soft jaws. Then I have a blank vice where I can do all the blade stuff, and then I have another vice for whatever else. Sure. Um, so I could kind of have everything set up, and then I could just run what I need. Uh, I would I'd rather run uh, the the thing that I'm concerned with is that if I just go straight to blades, like finish the finish the frames and then go straight to blades that I'm going to spend the next, like to the last day just working on blades and then not have any pocket clips. But I could spend probably a couple hours and just knock out all the pocket clips and those are done. And then I'll use the remaining time to just make as many blades as possible. Uh, At least that way, I'll have enough parts to assemble something. I'm just hoping that I don't hit a dead end where I'm like, I'm missing an entire part completely versus just being short on enough to make all 15.
0: Love. I think you need to, um, but I need to make the blades. Sit down and I make it. Gotta... you need to make a little schedule. You mm-hmm. need to take your day by day. Here are the things based on the amount of time left. Here's what I need to do each day in order to achieve my goal, regardless of cycle time. Just this day, yeah. I can dedicate these two days to lock bars, these two days to blades, these two days to this. And then I still have three days left at the end. And then hmm. you pick a hard stop date, which is like, if I'm not on schedule by on Tuesday, like give yourself the next five days. Here's what I need to do. This is the schedule that should work. If I'm not still on this schedule by Tuesday, I need to stop what I'm doing and mm-hmm. readjust what I need to do to get five knives done for the show. Like whether it's because I haven't started blades or whatever. It's like if this means I have to go back and set up and re, you know, and and recut jaws so that I can do this or that whatever, because now it's about, I'm within four days or three days of my goal. And if I don't peel off to finish what I need to for these knives, I'm not going to bring anything and just give yeah. yourself that hard stop. And if you get there, you need to be real with yourself. Like hmm. not another second can be given to anything, but the adjusted schedule, not an extra half a day. Cause I think I can get catch up. No, just okay. Peeling off, moving on to the next thing so that you have what you need. The plane tickets paid for the shit's booked. Like, yeah. I got to go. Gotta have a hard to bring stop. some shit because yeah. you'll, that's a good idea. you will one day at a time. If you don't set yourself those constraints, the scheduling constraints, you're going to work up to the last second and not have a plan. And that's where mm. I'm at right now, which is when I talked to Logan last weekend, I laid it all out. I'm like this, 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 and I need to be here by the time you get here or else you being here is going to stop me from being able to do what I need to do. And then I just worked my ass off to make sure that that happened. But, if it got to Friday and I didn't have it done, I'm reevaluating my expectations for what my plan is. And you just have to be able to do that. But you won't do it if you don't sit down now and plan out yeah. the next nine days. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Brittany and I were out here and we wrote down, she's like, all right, well, how long is it going to take you to do the lock frames, slab frames, pocket clips? And we, bro- we like kind of broke it down. All right, it's going to take me X amount of days to do this, X amount of days to do this. And we wrote out all that stuff. Um, kind of had some dates, but I had to shuffle some stuff around because I'm like, if I run these first, it's going to probably not work out when I run these ones because I won't have any more adjustment or something. So, um, we have that list of all that stuff and like a, an estimated time for each part. Now we just, I brought it back inside last night so we can kind of reevaluate where I'm at on each part and then, uh, and rewrite that list. So definitely yep. gonna do that today for sure. I think, so that's, I think that's smart, man. Idea.
0: I think that, that, that is for your mental well-being, like your anxiety that you'll, per inherently develop over the next nine days. Like you need to look at that. I look at it every day now, which is like, what do I have to get done today to stay on schedule? Okay. Well, which machine needs priority? You know, what do I have to get to? How late am I working? What is my hard deadline of like, I'm not going inside tonight until this is done. And just be realistic with like what those things have to be. And if you get ahead of schedule, great. If you fall behind, you're up a little earlier tomorrow. You're out here a little later the next day. You know, that is what the like weird, talking about earlier where like you get to a point where you fucked enough stuff in a, up in a row and you just need to leave and check yourself out. Well, that's where I was two days ago, but I still worked until midnight because I, like I said to my wife, I didn't have the ability to walk away. Cause I'm on deadline. I couldn't, I needed to, my brain, everything in my head was like, walk away from the shop. You're done for the day. You're fucking shit up left and right. But like I had to stay out here and push through it so that I could hit the ground running the next day. Cause if I would have signed off, then I would have spent half of the next day trying to get my head back into the game for the shit that I couldn't figure out the day before, and I would have been another half a day behind. It's like, you got to have these hard stops of like, this has to get done today, every day, through your deadline. It just is a reality of what we're doing right now.
1: Totally. So So you you have to do any heat treating or anything? All your stuff, you're already hard milled on everything. My blades
0: are all hardened, they're all surface ground, they're all hard milled, they're ready to be assembled, have tabs ground off and locks and detents done. Nice. I am but you got to grind primaries and so so sharpen. That is my next week. Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is grind primaries, grind well, locks, detents, grind primaries, grind swedges, um, apply finishes, sharpen. So I have 3 Ooh. um titanium subliners that are all titanium everything. I have two fat carbon frames that are going to require nothing and then I have my auction knife which that blade has to get ground, polished, etched. The dark tie frames have to be polished and heat anodized. I mean that that one's going to take the most time. Thankfully, the other ones are just belt satin grind, so no hand rubbing. Um, and the frames are either blasted and tumbled and sashed or nothing. The the carbon fiber stuff is just done. So yeah. I do have to machine the second operation of all my handles, but I can't do that until I have the Subliner inserts finished so that I can assemble them into the frames for support, structural support, so that then I can surface the top side. Otherwise it's too thin without that internal support. Mm. I feel like it would break or crack. So yeah, that's my goal today is go inside, get this package from UPS, get these subliner inserts made today, op one, op two tomorrow, assemble them and surface op two of all the frames and then begin assembly. And I can also resume Mac machining now that I have dedicated both machines to the show stuff for the last like two days um, or three days I'm caught up with it now and I can resume finishing my Mac stuff for also that's the other thing I have you know all these Mac knives to deliver right around the time that the show is so like I'm going to be pushing through that stuff keeping that running while I'm finishing everything that I'm doing so nice is any of that stuff uh, going to be at the show Um, none of the Mac stuff is needed for the show right No, Matt Christensen will have some Mac outliers that he finished. Um, I'm assuming the Kenison guys are going to have some Mac strays. I gave them a batch last month. They didn't end up taking any to the gathering last week. So I'm assuming they'll be bringing some of their stuff. Um, And I don't think any other Mac guys are going to be there. Um, Yeah, nothing from American, nothing from Afros, nothing from CMF. So, yeah, there'll be some there. But no, not uh, everything I delivered last month was what w- they would need for this month. Anything I'm delivering this month will they'll be releasing in October. Cool. Um yeah, so yeah, I'm fair, I'm good anyways. there. It's just it's it's just more about like trying to keep on a schedule. Like I was for the longest time getting them their stuff the very beginning of each month and then in July because of the Portland show prep, I switched to the like the 15th was my deadline for delivery. I'm considering taking the stuff that's supposed to be done the 15th and, like, just holding on to it or giving myself a little bit of leeway to send that to them on the 1st of October and then just resuming, you know, first of the month deliveries. I think that I'm, I am I got to talk to them and make sure they're okay with that. Like, hey, can we delay your batch by two weeks? More or less skipping September to resume the schedule in October for, you know, the first of the month going forward. I don't think anybody's going to have an issue with that. It's more about how does my budget handle that income getting pushed out another two or three weeks because I have the show income coming in around that time, not a big deal for me. Um So those are just things to think about. Nice.
1: Cool. Sounds like well, it's cool, going to be a busy week. for
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, we're going to be grinding. I'm, I'm sure you and me are going to be venting to each other every day about just like <laughs> shitting our pants about, are we going to get it done? And yep. I just hope that like, in 10 days, we can all meet up in Indianapolis and crack a beer and just like dap each other up. we like just stoked to be there. And like nobody's like trying to assemble knives in the hotel room or any of that shit, which I mean, it happens, but
1: yeah, we'll see. I'm gonna probably bring this. Pe- yeah, I'm gonna probably bring this Pelican I borrowed from my buddy PJ that's got all the Wicked Edge stuff in it.
0: Smart man. <laughs> like, yeah, hey, I got man. all I mean, that shit. He's like, like,
1: like, yeah.
0: I mean, I, I'm bringing everything in my truck. Anything that any of you guys could need, I'm gonna have. Nice. You know, you might I'm, as well have. Honestly, I'm bringing my sharpener with a bunch of belts, like in the off chance that like somebody needs to like plug that fucker (laughs) into the hotel room and we're sharpening knives in the fucking hotel room. We'll do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm not, I'm not pulling any punches. This is one of like two shows a year that I can drive to. I'm fucking bringing the kitchen sink so that everybody's hooked up and ready to go.
1: You might as well. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, honestly, dude, if you get to that
0: point where it's Friday and sharpening is all you have left and you're like, I want to enjoy this time with my family. We'll sharpen the knives in the hotel room on fucking Saturday night. have the shit so nice
1: cool yeah if anybody from wicked edge or anybody's listening for sponsor the podcast yeah we need a little
0: bit of sponsor money we'll shout you out but uh there we go cool man hour and 15 we grounded out for the sixth week in a row i'm uh i'm loving doing this it's giving me new perspective it's introducing me to new people that are touching base with me about how our conversations are impacting their mental well-being or their approach to how they're doing knives or shows Mm -hmm. it's been awesome thank you again for pushing me to do it um, and thank you to everybody for listening. I mean, again, this is just two dudes having a candid conversation about shit that goes between their ears during their work day as one man shops, machinists and knife makers. So thank you for everybody for your attention and, and, uh, I hope that you, uh, continue to engage with us. This has been great.
1: Cool, man. Thanks, dude.
0: No problem, man. Have you a good day. I'll talk to you soon.
1: You too. Later.
0: Peace.